0: This week, we have Alan Walker. Alan Walker is one of our um, el- newest elders, uh, works with Dale Carnegie, I believe, uh, and uh, he is here and he's going to tell us his story this morning. Thanks. It's, um, it's been an interesting process to to think through this and kind of what to share and what to focus on. and what's interesting for me but nobody else, and you gave me the floor, so it's just, this is what it's going to be, so uh, I tried to think about uh, uh, chapters of a story, if you will, you know, if you think about stories and you think about chapters, and think of my story in chapters, which was a way to kind of think through, and trying to highlight the areas that I think were influential to who, to who I am, but then also to my faith uh, as well. Uh, and what I am so uh, I'll just share some of those I've got some pictures so you have some visuals uh, as we go through the process uh, and then um, and we'll go we'll go from there so uh, I'm Alan Walker uh, I am uh, one of the newest uh, shepherds y'all have honored to be a shepherd of the congregation I don't know if I'm still provisional or not they have told me if it's official <laughs> you're, not, no, you're not not Gary I am in okay I'm in. that's good that's good Uh, My wife, Sarah, is here uh, being supportive and correcting any details that I miss uh, as we go. Uh, We've been married for 30 years, and uh, we grew up in the same town together, um, met in high school. I'll tell part of that story when we get to it. Um, And um, we have two daughters, uh, Clay, who is 26, and Kobe, who is 20. Uh, Clay lives out in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Kobe's a son at... I'll go ahead and correct. It's 27. She's... Oh, she just had a birthday. She's twenty-seven, and Kobe is twenty. So, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, as as we go. So, this is my story. Uh, so, chapter one: I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Kansas City area, a little town called uh, Blue Springs, Missouri. It's about twenty miles outside of outside of Kansas City. Uh, so, my mom's family was all from North Missouri. My dad was from Texas, and they met in uh, Kansas City, and so. Really, chapter one for me was about being a redheaded child in in the Midwest. And so, just to to give you a picture, a visual picture, this is my second grade, uh, like school picture. Right. So this is the school picture from seventh grade. I love this picture of me because it tells a lot, I think, in one in one picture. So there is, there's me. Uh, and 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 there's a couple things about this picture that I think is kind of hilarious. One is. Clearly, I didn't give my mom the note that said that picture day was coming up uh, because I wore a shirt that says "hot dog" on it for my official school picture for the second grade. I, now, I did wear a lot of T-shirts, so it could have been that that's just that's just what I had. Um, and, but but clearly, I did not comb my hair that morning, and my hair just kind of did that anyway. So that was it. Could have been combed, but by the time the pictures were taken. Uh, that, was, that was the picture. Uh, they get, yeah, I know, it does look cute now. But um, <laughs> but the other thing, the other side of this picture, though, that, that actually is quite important to my story is having red hair in, uh, in the Midwest. And so it's a bit different in Tennessee. About 6% of the population in Tennessee has red hair or, or ginger, if you will. Um, Scotland, Ireland can be upwards of 12%. M- worldwide, it's less than 1% has red hair and blue eyes and in the midwest it's very much like that. So what you find is and what I endured, you know, growing up is there really wasn't anybody else that looked like me at my school. In fact, there was I graduated with 707 students in Blue Springs High School. There was one other guy that had red hair and I that, that's just the percentages, you know, that worked out. So, growing up, I had a lot of I had a lot of this uh, from from students, <laughs> you know carrot top, red headed woodpecker, stubborn, red headed stepchild, temper, <laughs> but that, yeah, I mean it, it hits you, but it also it really starts to impact a child after a while, you know if that's the the comments that they that they hear, um, I think that my sensitivity towards helping people feel included, right, my sensitivity towards particularly with the high school, I work a lot with the OCYG and and I'm like always trying to figure out who in the room is the one that's not the one that everyone wants to be around. Because I think that exclusion really starts to impact uh, a child after a while. Those of you who have had children with red hair, or maybe had red hair, uh, it, it, there's, there's a higher correlation of depression with redheads, particularly male redheads. There's a, some studies will show a double-digit increase in suicide rates for redhead males uh, when they're teenagers. <coughs> because of that kind of a constant stream of exclusion, you know, being the only, if you will, uh, within that environment. And so it's a cute picture. Like, it, it's a really cute picture, but it really starts to form kind of what you're, what you're about. Um, it, and it's a, it's a bit of a trigger for me, too. I, I, I'm, I'm obviously very sensitive to that. Uh, my daughter, Kobe, and I were <coughs> at a, um, a Nashville soccer club game um, I, I love live sports, and so we have season tickets at National Soccer Club. And we were sitting next to a family, and the dad, I think the dad was trying to, like, get into the environment and, like, show his group having a good time anyway. But one of the, the referees down down on the sideline was redhead with, with very pale skin. And so he was yelling ginger at him and just, just a kind of a constant. And I just, like, stopped him. I was like, you – like, you can – you know, you can yell at a referee, I understand that, but that's not, that's not cool. And, and, and then he said I was being ridiculous, and then I had a very non-shepherding moment. You know. <laughs> in, in that moment, you know, I, I didn't swear, but I was just very direct about, you know, what are we teaching each other, right, when, we, when it's okay to highlight something like that about somebody, and particularly around his children who were sitting there you know what are you going to teach your children when they go home that that's okay or or, or, or so forth and so it, it definitely impacted like my story right what, what I'm about and, and who and who and who I am so uh, just some more pictures of me uh, growing this picture on the left is one of my favorite pictures my grandfather took that picture on a trip we took out uh, to California he had that up on his wall in his hallway um, all all the way through he had it blown up and. And and did that. Uh, I was into soccer, which you'll see there. And then that's another trip down the Animas River in Colorado. Um, So because of the red hair, uh, we didn't... Well, there are two reasons. We didn't go to the beach a lot. One is we lived in Kansas City. There just isn't a beach (laughs) near Kansas City. It's literally the geographical center of the continental United States. There is no beach. I remember when we were in the OCYG, we were going to do the grad beach retreat. And uh, David Rubio asked me... Uh, he said, well, what, what, what beach did your family normally go to? I was like, we didn't go to, we, we didn't go to a beach. The Grad Beach Retreat was longer on a beach than I had spent my entire life, cumulatively up at that point, uh, a day. Uh, and I had been to like five beaches before. So I like to joke with people that I love the mountains, not the beach, because the beach is a slow form of suicide for me because of the pale skin and the, you know, I've already had basal carcinoma taken off my skin already. So it's just, it's not a good thing. Uh, for me to go to the beach. Uh, but one thing that did really impact me growing up is, uh, is this place right here. This is 512 Brett Circle. So it's a cul-de-sac in Blue Springs, Missouri. This is the house I grew up in. Uh, this was, picture was taken right as we were moving Dad out after Mom passed. Uh, but it's the house, the trees were smaller, but my parents lived there for 49 years. Mm-hmm. And so since I was 12 months old maybe, Uh, All the way up until a couple of summers ago, that was the house um, that uh, we had Christmas at, that we had Thanksgiving at, that uh, we visited consistently. When I dream, I dream at that house. Like all my dreams are at that house. And I was thinking about the blessing of that stability and location in someone's life, that, that I was very blessed to have that place, right, to constantly go to, to think through. I can visually go through that house in my mind. Um, but it was a place of safety right and and it was a fun it was a cul-de-sac so there were lots of kids we played outside things like that but that just that consistency of that house and uh, when my mom passed a year ago two years ago um, it, it obviously very very hard and we also had to move dad out of that house and so kind of within one year that was two things that just really kind of disconnected you it kind of was ripping away parts of Parts of who you are and, and what you're about. So a little three-bed, three-bedroom, uh, two-bath uh, house in Missouri. So uh, growing up Kansas City um, uh, went to uh, the Oak Grove Church of Christ. It is further out from Kansas City than Blue Springs, another 10 miles or so, a little 150-member congregation. There are, you know, several churches of Christ around the Kansas City area, but they're not large. Uh, 150, 200 uh, or so. And our congregation went to, uh, every summer we went down to uh, Green Valley Bible Camp, which is outside of Rogers, Arkansas. Anybody, no recognition of this? So, okay, so it's Green Valley Bible Camp in Rogers, Arkansas. So I, my, my sister was able to grab me this picture of this crew going to Green Valley Bible Camp. And for me, I, I highlighted Bible because it was a Bible. It wasn't a Christian camp. It wasn't a fun. It was a, it, was a, it was a Bible camp. This is me on the right. A couple things you notice. First of all, I'm wearing jeans. At summer camp in the summer, because that was what you could do at that Bible camp, is you wore jeans. You didn't wear it. No, actually, I think it got to the point where you could wear shorts, but they had to be below the knee, like. uh, So you got a little bit of air movement, but but not a lot. So apparently Arkansas in the summer, in June, jeans is what you get to wear at uh, the Bible camp. Um, but it was very formative. I, I love that Bible camp. It was It was just, I learned to play ping pong there. Um, we would spend approximately four hours every afternoon playing softball for some reason. I wasn't great at softball, but it was just kind of a fun time. But the camp was always interesting. I always laugh when we go to uh, OCYG, the the, the the Otter Creek Christian Camp, because this place, I mean, they were serious. Like, we got binders at the beginning of the week, uh, three ring binders, and uh, after... Uh, breakfast uh, we'd have a devotional of course and then we'd have Bible classes plural that you would take notes in the binder uh, so you'd go up in the woods and ticks would be falling on it and whatever and you would take notes in the binder and then you'd have noon there would be another preach, another sermon at noon and then you could do some fun stuff in the afternoon like sit not sun and play softball. And then uh, we had services that night um, and it was a lot of fun because at the end of the week there was a test. No joke, there was a test at the end of the week <laughs> to see <laughs> your Bible knowledge had you learned what you needed to learn at the Bible boot, Bible camp. Uh, for you week you <laughs> no, you didn't have to stay. You had okay. to go home after, you had to go home after that. Um, it was really funny because, um, you know, you, you just things you pick up and things you don't. You, every, everything's normative, right? You think everything is the way that it's supposed to be. Um, when Sarah and I started dating in high school, I convinced her to come to Green Valley Bible Camp Because that was, like, you know, the place. And she'd gone to a place called Wildwood, which is very wild. Like, they had horses, and they (laughs) swam in the river, and they, like, got to do all these kind of fun things that we just didn't do at Bible camp. And so she came, and again, this was an honest mistake, but what I didn't realize was that I just felt it was the norm because we would have services every evening at Bible camp. Like, we would sing, there would be a sermon, you would take notes, it was a part of the test, right? We would do that every evening. I'd forgotten to tell Sarah that you had to dress up for services at Bible camp, and so when I say dress up, I mean dresses. Like the like the girls wore dress, and I failed to mention this to my girlfriend Sarah. So when she sh- she shows up, she has to borrow dresses from other girls in her cabin because she thought she was going to camp. She didn't realize she was going to Bible camp, uh, which was uh, which was very very different uh but uh but I loved it right and I think just learning the scripture learning the word I just I used to keep those little things and we used to have a thing at night where we would um, uh, do a little candle thing up on the softball field and it just it was always a highlight for me because the little church I went to had seven uh, people in the youth group seventh grade through twelfth grade there were seven of us and I used to—I'll tell those, like in my covenant group, or I'll tell some of the OCYG. I'll say, you know, for my covenant group, I'm like, your covenant group is larger than my youth group. <laughs> and Growing, you know, there were seven. So to go to a place where there were other Christians was just amazing, right? Uh, that was that was a really cool uh, experience. We uh, we went to Oak Grove Church of Christ until I was in high school, and then I started hanging out with uh, some kids that were RLDS in. Um, so, I don't know, RLDS, so the Reformed <coughs> Latter-day Saints. These are the conservative Mormons. Uh, and they all live in Independence, Missouri, um, in that area. And so, um, and, and they think Jesus is coming back to Independence, Missouri for some reason. Uh, they have a spot. They actually have a chair. Um, but I used to I was just hanging out with the RLDS kids because they had a youth group. And I think my dad realized, that's, that's probably not great. So we went to the big church inside of Kansas City, Raytown Church of Christ. My grandparents went there and that was 250 people or so. They had to youth group that had 20. Massive. <laughs> Massive youth group. So, get a little lost. Get a little lost in there. Um, but these are all, like, these are just formative things about me, like, growing up uh, in this area. So, a couple of other quick things. Uh, this is more high school. Um, this senior picture. Looked really dapper there with my, with my coat. I actually almost wore a coat today that looks very similar to that coat. I uh, played soccer growing up. This picture in the middle I like because this is also a school picture. I did not have a great string of school pictures. Um, I had gone down to um, cost cutters or I don't know what it was. I would walked over to the place and I spent a whole $5 on that haircut. Uh, that I wanted it to be spiky and I did it without my father's permission. Um, but was done was done and I, I was super cool. That was absolutely cool. <laughs> Super cool uh, with that, and you can kind of see there's a little bit of a Mohawk, uh, not Mohawk, a little bit of a mullet going on on the soccer, on the soccer one too. So anyway, there you go, high school. Um, The thing that I was also blessed by was um, uh, this is myself and my sister uh, several years back when when my grandmother passed away. Um, Faith heritage, right? Having a family of faith and the blessing that that is for somebody to have parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that are of faith and you see the the passages in the Bible about blessings for generations and and I've been the recipient uh, of that. This uh, place here, Old Scotland Church of Christ, is up in North Missouri. If you go to Gallatin, Missouri and keep going north for another five or seven miles, uh, it's out in the country. Uh, 1852. Uh, was when that uh, church was founded. It was a church my grandmother went to, it was a church my great-grandparents went to. I'm related to a lot of the people that you see here uh, in this, up in, just up in the country. And I think just having that moment where you can sit at, at a cemetery and it's like, here's my grandparents and here's my great-grandparents and here's my great-great-grandparents and here are all these people of faith. You know, at this congregation, that uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to have that heritage, and I'm I'm blessed. I realize I'm blessed. I'm blessed by that. So, so I am old school Church of Christ, like generationally Church of Christ, back to the 1850s. So, if you want to know what I'm about, Uh, I love the church. Absolutely love the church. I love our tribe. Um, The the other thing I I had to take a picture from this angle. I I took I took a picture from this angle because at the front of the building, uh, it still had the two doors, like you know, with the different genders going in the two doors, and then somebody decided to put an air conditioner right in between it. It's the ugliest <laughs> thing. She, I cannot, like, I was trying to get a picture of the front of the building, but there's this massive air conditioner that just, so, anyway, the back is prettier than the front. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was interesting talking to my, my grandmother uh, before she passed. Grandma, she, uh, she went to this church in the 20s, 1920s, I guess I should say 1920s, uh, 1930s, and I was talking to her about... Um, uh, Clay. And so Clay, um, and I'll show a picture later, uh, was has been up on stage at Otter Creek several times doing, doing different things. Uh, and she did a spoken word that um, Hannah Belcher wrote uh, for one of the Youth Sundays. And so I saw grandma about that, and then she grew up at this church, and I was like, I wonder what grandma thinks about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting what she said. She goes, oh, she goes, yeah, I remember when we went to this church. She goes, People would just show up from, come in from the country and the horses, whatever, and then just whoever had a scripture would read it, and whoever had a song would lead it, and whoever had a prayer would pray it, and then we would take communion, and that was church. And I thought it was just very interesting, and particularly if you've read John John Mark Hick's book about women in ministry, he actually talks about some of the heritage of the Church of Christ and how we've... Changed how we view women's roles in different elements, and he talks about churches in the 1920s and 30s doing that in the Church of Christ. And I read that, and I go, "That is exactly what my grandma was talking about. That was the church that you grew up in." Um, so it was kind of cool to make that uh, to make that connection. So, uh, so I was uh, so this is me growing up. So in high school, uh, junior year. Um, I sit in the back, because we're all alphabetical, so Walker, I'm always in the back, Um, and I'm sitting in the back, and I look up at the front of my class, and I see... Woo! she was looking pretty good, and uh, her last name was Banta, so she was all the way up at the front, uh, and it was, uh, it was Sarah, so uh, I I titled this one, I had to look up the phone number, so uh, we, uh, we started connecting, Sarah and I, and it was chemistry class that I said, it was chemistry class uh, that we had together, and I kept edging up, like whenever I had the opportunity, I would edge up and kind of hang around her and talk with her, and She was pretty good. She went to the Blue Springs Church of Christ, uh, which my parents had gone to, but then didn't because Kansas City's weird and everybody, anyway. But it, um, uh, (coughs) so I I wanted to ask her out. And I have to explain this to, like, when I talk to the OCYG about this, the youth group, because they don't understand looking up a phone number. They just doesn't connect. You all know what I'm talking about. But, so um, her locker like, so we went to a really large high school. Like, I graduated with 700. She graduated with 750. So there's, like, 3,000 students in the high school. And so my locker was here. Chemistry class was there. And her locker was there, right? So I always had this chance to, like, talk to her, right, in between classes, things like that. And so I walk up to her because I'm going to ask her out. And I was just like, you know, I, you know, I think something was going on at her church. I said, okay, well, do you mind if I get your phone number, right? It's, you know, because I was wanting her phone number so I could call her to, to ask her out. And she said, oh, she said, it's in the phone book. You can look it up. <laughs> I was like, I, apparently we didn't have the connection that I thought we had. <laughs> now, her side of the story is she thought I was interested in her sister. So that's why she was just like, you can just look it up yourself. I'm not going to help you there. And I... I wasn't interested in her, so I was interested in her. So, uh, finally, got the courage to uh, to ask her out. The really good news for me, these are various pictures of us. Um, the good news for me is that uh, she was into redheads, so she she's got a thing for redheads. So that was that was exciting for me uh, for that. So a couple pictures there. We went to Harding. Uh, she went a year before I did. Uh, I couldn't have gone to Harding without a trustee scholarship, so I was able to get a trustee scholarship, full tuition scholarship, and that was the only way we could afford it, so I was able to go. And we had, Harding was fantastic. These pictures, so up here on the left is my bachelor party. It was at Harding, so, you know, it was pretty sedate. But uh, <laughs> my best friend, Forrest Dottington fused a chain to a bowling ball and uh, put the bowling ball around my leg with the chain and locked it for a ball and chain, and I had to call Sarah, she had to get permission to leave the dorm after curfew, and I had to come and beg her to unlock the chain from the bowling ball around my leg, and she made me work for it, she did. (laughs) Part of it, it, I mean, it was because there was a crowd, right, so she was gonna make it a thing for everybody who was there. Sarah does not like the picture below because we're actually sitting on my bed in the dorm. She feels it's mildly inappropriate, but I I wanted to show that picture. Uh, this, This was open dorm night, so she was allowed in the room on open dorm night. The doors are open. The doors are open. The RAs are cruising the hall. Like, this is all there's like two hours. I think they do it primarily so the guys will clean, right? Because, of the... <laughs> but the thing again, the thing I find hilarious about this picture is the wall right behind it, and those are all pictures of me and Sarah, and primarily Sarah. And that big heart is her giving that to me on Valentine's Day. I was besotted with her, like with a capital B, just besotted with Sarah. I had this, this, this big, uh, I think my roommate called it a shrine. It's, that's probably not right. But it was just, like, just all these love tra- Anyway, we, had a, we just had a wonderful story. So uh, at Harding, because, um, because I had a, a full-ride scholarship, a tuition scholarship, uh, I had Pell Grants that helped pay for food and, and things like that, but had a full-ride scholarship, so I took as many Bible classes as I could. Uh, when I was there. I was two classes away from a double major, I got a major in business, but I was two classes away from a double major in Bible. And there were two classes I didn't want to take. One was Greek, and the other was a class on like research class. You had to go and find different commentary references for different uh, scriptures and and things. And the reason I didn't want to take that class was I worked in the library. That was my on-campus job for on-student head. So I had that job, I had to have that job. Uh, I was at the reference desk, and my job in the library was to answer any questions. Uh, I had to go around and count every hour how many people were in the library. I had to go around and make sure that nobody was either eating or making out in the study rooms at the (laughs) library. So I knew all the nooks and crannies to go check. And then I had to put all the reference books away, and everybody who was in that class that I didn't want to take would take all the reference books from downstairs upstairs so they could do their and then we just leave them there and they were supposed to but I was always hauling these books back downstairs so I was like I'm not going to take that class I already know where everything is in the library so um, but Harding for me was you know growing up in you know small churches the you know and in, in o- just the opening up of the scripture right the the, the people like um, uh, Monty Cox Dr. Cox who's, who's still there uh, Neil Pryor uh, some of these teachers who were just so amazing and opening up the scripture and seeing a big wider view of God, a wider view of what the story of God is. Um, the uh, president, Dr. Burks, at the time, uh, challenged the students to read the Bible in a year, and if they did, he would cook them a steak dinner. I was all about food, so I did that. I read the whole Bible in a year, and so I got to go to Dr. Burks's house, and uh, he. So it was like me and a lot of Bible professors uh, who were there, and he was cooking steaks. Um, But for me, just to start the first time in my life, start with Genesis and the garden and go all the way through to the garden in Revelation, or the city in Revelation, right, with the garden in it. To me, kind of connecting that entire story just opened up the scriptures in such a beautiful, wonderful way. Um, I, I just really feel like going from the little worksheets at the Bible camp to Harding just really opened up scripture for me and and helped me fall in love with scripture and the Bible and context and why things uh, are the way they are. So uh, that's just another picture of Sarah, because why not? So anyway, that's us in Colorado. So we moved after Harding. uh, We moved to Colorado, and we spent seven years out in Colorado uh, working for Dale Carnegie. I first got my first job with Dale Carnegie uh, there. So chapter three is mountains, mountains. uh, rocky and then uh, smoky so part of our story is um, this, this picture here, that's Clay uh, when she's a little baby right? and you can see the oxygen tube and we had a very difficult birth with, co- with Clay um, yeah this is Clay so this, we had a very difficult <laughs> birth um, yeah I know, I caught myself um, uh, so she was a couple weeks late She was supposed to be born February 22nd or so, and uh, she didn't come until February 2nd. Um, Sarah had a very difficult labor. So she was in labor for four days. Um, And um, there was some miscommunication, but at the end of the day, I think her doctor felt like Sarah really wanted a natural birth. But at that point, we were like, we need to to do something here. And they didn't actually take Sarah back for a C-section until she started having tectonic, is that the right word? So Clay crashed. Yeah. So she was having these 10-minute contractions, and then Clay started crashing. Um, and they were like, "Okay, we got We got to go." And so I'm 23. You know, going back, and we're and we're gonna we're gonna have a baby. And so we go back, and they let me into the into the room when they're when they're doing the surgery, and I'm watching Sarah. Of course, they're doing a C-section. Um, they they have they get Clay out. She's she's fine. She's over there. She's she's crying. So I go over to where Clay is. Just I always remember this moment where I'm, I'm I, you know, it's like 15 feet away. I'm over here, and the pediatrician, whatever, is working on clay, making sure she had some meconium aspiration, and that's why she has the oxygen tube. Um, and then he said, well, did you want to cut the cord? And I was like, I mean, the cord had been cut. <laughs> I mean, there was, it was like, I'm like I don't want to stop. no, I'm good. Uh, so uh, so I've got to take, uh, they let me carry uh, Clay to the NICU and so I, so I start to go and I show Sarah Clay and, and I'm just like in the moment I'm so excited and she's like it's, it's probably time for you to take her down you know to the nursery and I'm like yeah okay that's a good idea yeah so then I so I go and so I go down there and uh, they have to get her into the NICU and, and do some things to kind of help her um, with what she was what she was going through. Um, and then at some point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, I didn't know what to do, I was like, I'm going to go back to, to see what's going on uh, with Sarah. And I went back, and her parents were kind of still in the, in the hallway, and they were looking at me, and I was looking at them, and they said, what? And they said, Sarah's in trouble. And one of the doctors had inadvertently, had he had gone down, said, somebody had asked and had said, um, well, the baby's okay, but we're losing the mother. And so... I just remember sitting, I know where that hall is, I know where those chairs were, and her parents and I just sitting there, just kind of stunned, her um, anesthesia started going up, not down, and started knocking out. The thing about that story is, and something you need to know about Sarah, she was a nurse. And when she was in the room, they were all talking medical language to try and obscure for me what was going on, but Sarah knew exactly what was going on. And so she's sitting here knowing that she's crashing, saying, hey, it's probably time for you to take, you know, take uh, clay. Uh, to the nursery, and so that was that was hard, right? That, that was just those moments, and so you know, birthing has been very difficult for our family, um, you know, you know, because of that. And and babies are such a huge, huge, huge blessing. Um, so Clay spent um, um, a week, two weeks, two weeks in the NICU. She had um, uh, had meconium aspiration. She had pneumonia, a lot, lots of things. She was eight, eight pounds eight ounces, by the way. So. Uh, in the NICU, that was a huge baby to all the little preemies, and she was she was huge. Uh, but she kept blowing out the veins um, that they were trying to get it, uh, the antibiotics and stuff in her. And so we used, so we did, we were able to bring her home, and we still had to give her the antibiotics. And so we called her our little Borg baby, if you know the Star Trek reference, because she had these ports in her in her head that they were using for medication. Uh, but this oxygen tube she had for five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, two months she had the oxygen uh, tube. This is one of the only pictures we have. Sarah didn't want a lot of pictures of of Clay (coughs) with that, but this is one of the only pictures I have of it. Um, So we just called it our twin because I would carry the little oxygen tank uh, around with us uh, when we would go to church. And and then there was this big lead line uh, that would run through most of the house to a big tank that they had set up uh, that we would have for her just because she would always have to have the oxygen. Uh, But one thing about that moment I always remember is this was, we had just gotten home from the hospital, and Sarah was resting, uh, Clay was resting, and the door knocks. And I go up there, and it's uh, Damon and Robin Heasley. And they were friends of ours from Harding. Uh, They were also in Colorado. Um, uh, Robin was very pregnant. She was about to have Sierra, their firstborn. And I opened the door, and they had food for us. And weirdly, I had no idea what that was about just, just I don't know if it was a Midwest thing, like you don't impose, or like, I was like, they were like, well, we've got dinner for now, and, and literally, I was like, oh, no, we're fine. Okay, we were not fine, but I didn't know, they're like, no, this food is for you, I'm going to go set it up, and I was like, okay, and it was really the first time I, I just saw that, like, the church, right, the, the 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 church part of the church, right, the community part of it, the the food, the, the connection, the, the, the people saying we're here for you, even if you think you've got it all, you know, we're here for you. And so that was a real important lesson for me uh, as I think about, as I think about uh, church. So I'm going to um, uh, continue on this, maybe expedite just a little bit. So we love Colorado. Uh, that's at the YMCA of the Rockies. If you ever get a chance to go with your family, it is amazing. It's a family encampment. It predates the national park. And we have had family reunions there uh, for a long, long time. So in between Clay and Kobe, we had two miscarriages. And uh, that was hard. That was hard for me. It was hard for Sarah. And I find it's something a lot, a lot of people will talk about until they find out that you've had a miscarriage. And then they'll say, oh, I had a miscarriage too. But um, we just recently, Clay, uh, who is now 27, um, had a miscarriage at 12 weeks. And... Um, she, uh, uh, she didn't know, right? She was going into her 12 week appointment thinking she's going to hear the heartbeat of her baby and finding out that the baby had passed. And I think women telling their story to Clay was so helpful. Like women reaching out to her saying, I had a miscarriage too, and this is what happened with me. So that she realizes that she's not alone. And again, going back to having red hair and food, it's just the church is about us not being alone. Like the church is about people loving and people being there and sitting with, and that's just so important uh, to what we're about. Probably one of the lowest points of me spiritually uh, was uh, after a couple of miscarriages, uh, we had moved to Tennessee. Uh, we found out we were pregnant with Kobe. And we waited because we were nervous because of the miscarriages. And so we finally got to Christmas time. It was long enough, and we told everybody that uh, we were pregnant. Which was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, And then the next week we went to Branson, Missouri. And I specifically remember we're at the Dixie Stampede at intermission. Uh, It's not called the Dixie Stampede. It's called the the Stampede. stampede. Um, So we're at the Stampede. And uh, Sarah comes out of the bathroom and she says, I lost another one. And just my heart just was sinking. And so we, and I was like, well, what do we do? And she goes, well, let's just... Like watch the rest of the stampede. So we watch the rest of the stampede. And so we go to the hospital in Branson um, for her to get checked out, right? And and I remember sitting in the waiting room, so mad at God. I was so mad. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. And embarrassingly, I was like, I'm done. <coughs> like this come on. Like, I'm done. And so they go in, they check her in, and they're like, well, we're going to do a sonogram. And we were kind of like, what's the point? And um, I remember we went back in the room, and they did the sonogram. And I still remember the moment they picked up Kobe's heartbeat. Now, Sarah had had some blood. She had something that happened. But that heartbeat, just the most beautiful sound, you know, in the world. And it's just that reminder of that moment when I was so mad at God, so mad and willing to say, I'm I'm done but he's still faithful he's still there and he still walks with you and I I just I I love the Psalms I love Psalm 13 I love the Psalms because all the emotions are there and God's saying, I'm big enough right, for you to be mad, for you to ask questions for you to doubt uh, the lamentations I mean, they're all there right? And then to be able to, you know, talk with Kobe and talk with like during the last couple of weeks when we've been grieving, to say God's big enough, God's big enough to take it all, and be there with us regardless. So, uh, so that's a picture of Kobe's. Uh, so this is first birthday, awesome. Uh, And then this is her up in the mountains. I've taken that picture, that's at Dream Lake in Rocky Mountain National Park. I've taken that picture since that moment until the last time we were there when she was 20. So I've got 20 years of her picture right there. I just love how she's got the bottle hanging out there. She's chilling, she's chilling. This is my favorite spot on Earth. That's Dream Lake. Um, To me it's the most peaceful spot. I don't know what we're going to do when we pass on, but if the National Park Service would let me scatter ashes (coughs) here, then this this is this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. So I've got about ten minutes here. So a couple of other things I wanted to highlight. So these are my girls here at Otter Creek. Otter Creek has been such a blessing for us because they flourished here. In fact, the girls have been on stage more than I have, and I love that. I love that that they've been on stage. More than I have, I think that's amazing. So this is uh, Clay doing her spoken word that uh, Hannah Belter wrote for the um, youth worship. Uh, this is Kobe doing a spoken word that she wrote, um, 22. So a couple of years ago, uh, when she was a senior, doing that, and she's done several uh, up on stage. By the way, her now fiance is this guy right here, Bryson uh, Bisner. They met in, um, they met here at Otter Creek. I. I that, which I, I think is really cool, too. The other thing about Otter Creek I love is the youth. So I talked about how not having a real youth group growing up, how important camp was for me for that sustainment of faith. I love working with the OCYG, and I spent a lot of time there on Sunday mornings. This is my covenant group. This is freshman year, and this is seniors. So this was Kobe's grade. So that's, uh, that's um, uh, Ethan Livingston. Uh, that is, of course, that's Bryce, uh, uh Tate Allen. Luke Harlan, uh, Clay Jackson, uh, Will, that's Dallas uh, Simmons. So this is them as freshmen, and then most of the same group here, and this is at Luke's house, by the way. By the way, look, look at the hair. hair. Like, I really had some COVID hair going on there, too. Um, <laughs> however, I just kind of let it go. Um, I thought Sarah liked it until I, like I had a miscommunication with my barber, and he cut it, like, mostly off. And I came back and Sarah was like, oh, that looks so nice. <laughs> I thought you liked that. She was like, it looks so nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is them at fall retreat, uh, their senior year uh, as well. I love these guys. <coughs> it's such a blessing uh, to be a part of that. So we're in a season now, just as I kind of finish up. Um, we're, we're in the season that I call the Thanksgiving tables contracting and adding. Uh, we've lost some people. We've added some people to the Thanksgiving table. And, and that's a season of life that's interesting. We're adding some, a son-in-law, uh, a future son-in-law with Bryson. Uh, some babies are coming to the family, which is kind of fun. Uh, but then we're also losing parents, and, and that's hard too. Uh, so the Thanksgiving table contracts and expands. Uh, I didn't tell Sarah I had this picture. That's her dad. I had a great relationship with Alan. His name was Alan, too. And uh, I had a great relationship with Alan. Um, the reason I wanted to put up there is that year I lost um, Alan, who taught me how to love little kids. Such a generous, fun, fun heart that he had. My grandfather died within that year, and the mentor in my, in, in my business died that year too. And it just, it's that moment when you realize you're operating without a net. Like the people that you would looked up to, the people that you could always ask, they're gone. And that, and that feeling of, where's my net? Like, where's, where's those people? Um, uh, this picture, growing up in Kansas City, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, it just happens, right? And I went through 50 years of misery, so I'm gonna enjoy it <laughs> right now. I'm gonna enjoy it. Um, uh, this picture, um, I'll, 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 I'll keep it up here. So this picture is uh, the last picture I have of my mom before I realized she was sick. Uh, this was the AFC Championship game in 2022. I had flown up to go to the game with my brother-in-law um, to go to that game. The Chiefs lost that game, unfortunately. Um, but the next day, um, mom had to have a blood draw, and I didn't know why. But I was there. I didn't fly out till that afternoon on Monday, and so I said, well, I'll, <coughs> take, you, I'll take you down there. So I took her down to the... It's in Blue Springs, so it wasn't far, but you know, we she did the blood draw, and I was like, what's this for? She said, oh, my kidney... Doctor wants me to do a blood draw. She had not said anything to me, you know, about this. And what we found out a week later was that she had a a kidney disease that was uh, affecting her kidney. A couple weeks after that, she was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Um, Sarah went up for a week to stay with her. I went up for a week. It was a a precious week just to spend a week with my mom in the hospital. Um, She went on dialysis. And then she... um, uh, the night of Kobe senior prom um, Kobe and Bryson had their senior prom that evening three o'clock in the morning I get a call from Dad that they were going into the ER I flew to Kansas City and she passed away that next day the most excruciating emotional pain I've ever had was I uh, was losing my mom um, and it's just it's hard you know, I think with loss, and it's just so hard. It's just so hard. But to know that there's no words, there's just presence, there's just hope, right? The, you know, the song that they uh, sang this morning, "The Empty Grave," right? That hope that we have is so, so important. Um, um, this church um, that week, in between mom passing and then. When we did the service um, that Saturday, our life group that we've had uh, for eighteen, twenty years—Chrysler's uh, and Gonzalez's, Sardakis, the Halls—we've grown up together. We've our kids have grown up together. Um, they had food, um, you know, shipped to our house. You know, weirdly, and I don't know what it is about the minute my, my parents had been at a church for twenty years, and I know they would have sent food if we asked, but it just wasn't. But the, our church here did. Uh, so they got food for us. They got food for my family who was coming into town. Um, my sister um, flew back. Uh, she spent 18 years in Haiti as a missionary. Uh, taught at a um, small Christian school in Port-au-Pay. Um, she was retiring. She was coming back to spend more time with mom and dad when uh, mom passed away. And the, But dad now lives with her, and that's been a real blessing uh, for them. But the the love of the other, right? The love that people show, the, the food that's brought, the, the, the presents, the cards. I got so many cards from y'all. Day after day after day, cards upon cards upon cards from this congregation. And it's so sustaining in that moment when you feel alone. Right? You feel alone. But then a card comes. Sometimes as as I'm thinking about you. It's so sustaining. So these are my girls. Um, I guess that's a little bit old because Clay doesn't have her hair dyed anymore. But I'm just always going to show pictures of my girls. So this is uh, us at Disney World. We love Disney World. So I've got some more boys. Boys are different. Uh, then girls, I was I, I was a dad of girls, which was amazing, uh, and I don't know, boys are weird. Um, <laughs> so I'll finish I'll finish with this. So uh, the girls are out of the house, and so Sarah and I are empty nesting kind of. And I put up here single again because we had a moment. This was last year where we we're sitting there at night and we're like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And Sarah's like, "Well, let's go to Freddie's And I was like, "Okay," and I was you know we're trying to decide if we could do that or not. And Sarah goes, "I know we're single, we can go to Freddie's. I was like, we're empty nesting. We're not single. We're empty (laughs) nesting. (laughs) Big difference. Uh, But we have fun about that. So we talk, oh, that's, Steve, that's Tour de Mont Blanc. Steve and I talked a lot about the Tour de Mont Blanc that we went on uh, for my 50th. But anyway, (coughs) so just a couple of pictures of us. We've had a blast. It's been a lot of fun. This is... The corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see, is a girl next to a flatbed for it, and she was looking back at me. Uh, so we had to stop and take a picture there. Uh, we did a cruise for the first time. So that's our story. or That's my story in 40 minutes or so. That's me.